Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Something we haven't said since the last week of January. It's game week. It's time to take on the Cleveland Browns Sunday, September 10th, 1 o'clock on CBS. Uh, welcome to the Cut to the Chase Bengals Blitz. I'm your host, Chase Johns. We're back at it again. Finally, a game preview look. Uh, before we get into this podcast, I want you guys to go on ahead and like this, subscribe to the page, subscribe to Run Into the Jungle, uh, add this to your favorites on, you know, whatever, wherever you get your podcast at, whether it be Apple, po- uh, Spotify. Uh, there's so many different apps that you get podcasts, there's, you know, obviously on the YouTube page. Uh, go on ahead and give this thing a like and subscribe to the page. Um, don't want to waste much time, but two objectives that we're going to talk about today on this show. One, why have the Browns had the Bengals number since 2020, since COVID time? Because let's keep it real. Back then with Andy Dalton and Baker Mayfield, when those two were battling for for two years, I'm going to involve battling because they owned us then too. Uh, It it wasn't much, you know, it's it's pretty irrelevant now is what I'll say. Uh, Since Joe Burrow has come in, Joe Burrow is one and four against the Cleveland Browns, and we'll get uh, all into that in just a minute. And then the second part, how can the Bengals stop this? Obviously, they won last year, the last time they played against each other on December the 11th. They won 23 to 10 in Cincinnati. See if Cincinnati can get a win streak of their own against the Cleveland Browns uh, into effect. But we're going to look at this. Why have the Cleveland Browns had the Cincinnati Bengals number since Joe Burrow has been there? There are three main points of this, they're all huge. They all play significant impact, and they're all not good for Cincinnati. But I've watched, you know, obviously so many Bengals games over the years, and, you know, the Bengals and Browns have pretty much gone back and forth for the most part in in my lifetime. Uh, For There was about a three- or four-year period where the Bengals would just beat up on the Browns, and the Browns had no nothing to say. They had no comebacks or anything like that. And then the tables just turned when Baker Mayfield became a Brown. And he just started playing like prime, uh, prime Brett Favre. Um, Baker played some of his best games of his career against Cincinnati Bengals. And I think he lost one game against us. 
He was really, really good against Cincinnati Bengals. Now it's Deshaun Watson's turn, and we'll see what happens with that. Deshaun Watson against Cincinnati Bengals in his career. He is one and one, uh, won his first career start at then Paul Brown Stadium back in 2017 on Thursday Night Football Week 2. And then the last time, actually, he's one and two now that I think about it because he lost uh, to us the two days after Christmas uh, in 2020. And then last year in his second start of the 2022 season, he lost us 23-10. But enough of that. The reasons why the Cleveland Browns have owned the Cincinnati Bengals since 2020 are this. Number one, the run game. Cleveland has dominated the run game. In four Cleveland wins since 2020, I'm not going to count week 18, 2021. You didn't have both starting quarterbacks playing. You had Case Keenum versus Brandon Allen. We'll throw that to the side. But in four Cleveland wins since 2020, the Browns have outrushed the Bengals. Get this. By 352 yards in four Browns wins. That's a difference of almost 90 yards a game, 88 to be exact. 622 yards in four games for the Browns. The Bengals have ranched for 270 yards in those four losses against Cleveland. The Browns average 155.5 yards a game on the ground when they win, and the Bengals average just 67.5. It just goes back to establishing the line of scrimmage and we'll get in to you know the offensive line in, in just a minute because that's obviously a big one but it just gets into establishing you know the, the line of scrimmage nick chubb one of the best running backs in the national football league arguably the best running back in the national football league he's a robot he's an absolute he has a, an absolute motor he's a you know, does a great job of running between the tackles he has one of the highest yards per carry in NFL history uh, he's just been so consistent, and he's been the absolute workhorse for Cleveland. And with no Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson, it's going to end up being Nick Chubb being the main guy in Cleveland. He's always been the main guy in Cleveland, but you know he's not going to have you know some other guys taking his carries. I mean, he might be on the field for three downs at a time. Who knows? Uh, so I mean, Nick Chubb is going to be an intricate part of the run game as always, and, and even bigger in the passing game. But when it comes to running between the tackles and the Browns' offensive line up front. I mean, they've done such a great job against Cincinnati Bengals in establishing and owning the defensive line in front seven. Uh, and, you know, it's been tough to watch. It really has. I mean, the Bengals played them last year in Halloween, a uh, national television Monday night football game, and the Browns just went out there and beat the brakes off of us. They just established the interior, and and we didn't have any response to it. Years before, I mean, the Browns would just get a lead and run the ball, and they'd just be really good and efficient at it, and they'd break off runs and, and score more points, you know. And, you know, it, it, it hurt. It definitely hurt, I will say. You know, uh, the Bengals-Browns has been this, you know, back-and-forth thing where, you know, the Browns, you know, bottom of the division for a while. The Bengals bottom of the division for a while. Now it's the Browns. And now, you know, with 2023, the AFC North, I mean, it's anybody's game in, the, in this division. So, it's going to be really interesting to uh, take a look and and see how uh, all things shake out. Uh, the second thing, sacks. Cleveland has gotten to the quarterback, and we're talking about in four wins, in the same four wins since 2020, the Browns have 13 more sacks than the Bengals. 13, they, have a, they have a plus 13 differential in sacks. The Browns have sacked Joe Burrow 17 times in their four wins and the Bengals in those four losses to Cleveland have sacked whoever the quarterback is four times. 
divide those up. Four divided by four, one sack a game, maybe. Because, I mean, there's other games where it was two sacks. and It was one and one. So, you know, and then, I mean, uh, that it's a bigger number when it comes to, uh, you know, Cleveland. It's, it's 4.25 sacks a game. So basically for every four sacks that Cleveland gets on Joe Burrow, we get a sack. And that's in each game. Four sacks to one sack a game. I mean, terrible, terrible. It goes with the Browns, you know, having Miles Garrett, one of the best pass rushers in the National Football League, top three, top five, whatever you want to put him at. You know, now they have Zadarius Smith on the other side. Before they had Jadavian Clowney uh, for, for the most part. And then they had, you know, guys in the interior. Now, you know, they have guys like Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, you know, in the interior going up against, you know, Ted Karras and Alex Kappa and Cordell Bolson. So it's going to be huge when it comes to that. You know, it it is really frustrating seeing our franchise quarterback getting put on the ground by a division rival in the battle of Ohio. Super frustrating to watch that happen. And there's it's got to stop. It has to stop. It, it cannot keep going on. The Browns have gotten better. We'll keep it a buck. The Browns have gotten better. Their pass rush, like like said, adding Zadarius Smith, who's a 10-plus sack guy, you know, it's only going to get harder. But what have the Bengals done in the offseason? They add Orlando Brown on the left side, left tackle. And Jonah Williams moves from left tackle after giving up all those sacks last year in the Monday Night Football game, moves to right tackle. Jonah Williams has to be on his A game this Sunday. He's not moving from Miles Garrett to a scrub. He's moving from Miles Garrett to Cesarius Smith, who's one of the best front side passers in, in the National Football League. Orlando Brown has a tough task this week. Orlando Brown, that's why we paid him $16 million a year, $64 million on his contract for four years. This is why we're paying him to take down Miles Garrett, to eliminate him, to limit him if you want, you know, to. Take him out of the game plan and to help our quarterback make those throws and get in a rhythm. And, you know, obviously with Joe Burrow coming off the calf injury and everything, signs look like he's going to play in this game. We need him out there. We need him healthy and upright to make the right throws down the field to score points and win the football game. We can't have Miles Garrett coming on a free rush and just destroying Joe. We can't have Zadarius Smith doing that. The tackles, it, it, the tackles have to win your one-on-one matchup. You got to win. Enough of trying to maintain your 1v1 matchup. It's tough to maintain, Miles Garrett. It's tough to maintain Zedary Smith. I'm not an offensive lineman nor an NFL offensive lineman. So, I mean, obviously I couldn't tell you the, the first thing about doing any of that. But you're getting paid that money. You got to go out there. You got to win your job. And you got to protect your quarterback. And you got to trust that all things go well and that the Cincinnati Bengals will win the game on Sunday. The third thing, and this one I think actually pisses me off the most, and it comes with uh, the sacks, and it comes with the pressure that the Browns apply, turnovers. The Bengals lose the turnover battle. In four Cleveland wins since 2020, the Browns have a plus-four differential in turnovers against the Bengals. The Browns have only had four turnovers and four wins, and the Bengals have eight turnovers and the four losses in that time frame. In the most recent win, the Bengals and Browns split turnovers. The Bengals threw an interception, the Browns threw an interception. So, we'll say this. The Browns have to get ahead 
of these three categories to win the game. They have to, you know, force more turnovers. They have to get to the quarterback more. And they have to run the ball significantly better Cincinnati to win those games. And they've won pretty convincingly when those things have occurred over the last couple of years. It showed last year when Cincinnati and Cleveland play it around even, you know, it, Cincinnati's going to win. Cincinnati is a better team, I believe. Obviously, it's roster and it's on paper, so, you know, doesn't do any justice. You got to go out there and play the games and, and you know, and go out there and play the full 60 minutes and, and change. But, you know, last year when the Bengals and Browns walked out there and stuff was pretty similar and everything, the Bengals won the football game. And I'll go back up to the run game real quick. In the most recent game when the Bengals won here in Cincinnati, Cincinnati outran Cleveland by 65 yards, 136 yards to 71 yards. That's another thing. We talk about Cleveland's run game, you know, and stopping the run. We gotta, we gotta run the ball. We have to be efficient running the football. Maybe that's a key that I'll talk about here in a minute. But nonetheless, what what do these things have in common? Obviously, turnovers are, are a category that's based off of these, you know, the two things of you know stopping the run and you know getting our quarterback sacked. But what is it? What is what is the one bread and butter thing that you have to do on both sides of the ball to defeat the Cleveland Browns? You have to win the line of scrimmage. You have to. You have to. I'm not going to say new offensive line, but we have an, the same interior offensive line from week one last year, you know, for the most of the season. You know, you got Volson, you got Karras, and you got Kappa. Like said, we brought the big-time left tackle, Orlando Brown in. Jonah Williams moves from left tackle to right tackle. Lyle Collins, who knows when he'll be back. But the tackles are going to have a lot of eyes on them on Sunday when they take on Zedaria Smith and Miles Garrett. I'll say, we as a unit have got to come together quickly. I'm not saying that you have to play the absolute most perfect game out there. Because perfection, I mean, there's no such thing as perfection in football. Something's going to happen in each game. But that unit has to come together really, really quick. And they've got to play some of the best football they can every single Sunday. And it starts this Sunday against a great unit up front with a new defensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns and Jim Schwartz. Let me mind you this. The last time, I will say, Joe Burrow did play Jim Schwartz defense one time, and it was a Philadelphia Eagles defense. There's a good and there's a bad with it, and we will get back to it in just a moment. All right, took one break. So, Joe Burrow played a Jim Schwartz defense one time. In 2020, Philadelphia Eagles, September 27th of 2020, week three. What happened that game for Joe? Joe went 31 of 44, 312 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, a 105.5 passer rating, and he got sacked the second most times in his career. Eight times. Eight sacks. I mean. 
Was it the fact that the Bengals just had an absolutely terrible offensive line that got him injured later in the season? Was it the fact that Joe was a rookie and was still trying to find his way, even though he had a pretty good season for what the circumstances were? Was it the fact that Jim Schwartz is just that good of a defensive coordinator? Was it the fact that the Eagles just had such a great pass rush with guys like Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, uh, and an abundance of everybody else? I don't know. You cut that game in half of sacks with four sacks instead of eight. Game with the overtime, by the way. Cut that thing in, in half. If you're giving up four sacks, which is what the average has been for Cincinnati against Cleveland in those losses, you get it below four sacks. Not saying that Jim Schwartz is going to play his exact same defense and everything like that. Obviously, you know, the games evolve, people change, and, and everything. But for one opponent from one time that, you know, Joe Burrow played against a Jim Schwartz defense, which maybe Jim Schwartz and the Browns are watching a little bit of that film, but probably not because this is a completely different team with a, you know, mostly different skill set than what the Eagles were back then. For the bottom line is when Joe got protected against a Jim Schwartz defense, Joe dimed him up. And I'm going to keep saying this. Joe dimes a lot of people up. He does. And when you give him that time in the pocket, it's not the five or six seconds because that's just, you know, that's ridiculous to give a quarterback five or six seconds. If you're giving him five or six seconds, there's one of two things might be wrong. It's, you know, maybe receivers are not getting open or it's, you know, your offensive line is just that great and the quarterback is so incisive on making decisions. But that's a, a, another story for another time. When looking at it, Joe Burrow, when he has a clean pocket, and this is a pro football focus stat right here, PFF, Joe Burrow in a clean pocket since 2020, out of 100, he has a rating of a 96. That is damn near perfect. That's almost flawless. When you give Burrow that type of time, and I'm I'm just even saying, you know, get it below four sacks on Sunday. Don't put him in harm's way. Limit that as much as possible. Let me put him in harm's way. Obviously, guys are going to get to the quarterback or get around the quarterback. There's quarterback hits. You know, I don't think there's a quarterback that's gone unscathed completely in a game. You know, maybe there's games where a quarterback's been sacked zero times, but he's definitely been hit. He's definitely been nudged. He's definitely been hurried. All that. I'm just saying, you give Joe Burrow most of the day to be in a clean pocket and to let the receivers go to work and give him the easy time of day and protect them. Joe will dime you up. And we'll see what Jim Schwartz defense looks like this Sunday. We'll see what he brings out against them. That's big. But I'll say this. Three keys of success on Sunday for Cincinnati. I basically just was talking about it with the Joe Burrow, you know, against Jim Schwartz stats right there. But I'll, I'll say this. This isn't the main one, but I'll keep it on Burrow real quick. Move the pocket. I want to move the pocket a bit to get Burrow easier throwing lanes and reads 
obviously I'm not a coach, you know, I, I'm not going to say, Hey guys, go you know, walk it up to pay court. Hey guys, uh, Zach, Brian, you guys should move the pocket. Thanks. Bye. And go back to my apartment. Not going to do that. Obviously, you know, not that easy for fans to do, but, um, you know, with Joe coming off a calf injury and he's been back at practice for about a week, you know, being able to move the pocket a bit and, you know, not keeping them complacent in one spot for, you know, for those pass rushers to come and get him is going to be big. It's going to get, you know, an our athletic offensive line out there, you know, to, you know, to get Joe in a different spots and it's going to, you know, fool the defense a bit. It's going to, you know, see what the movements look like in this Jim Schwartz defense, see what coverage is that they're trying to throw out, see what they're trying to bluff. Because Joe obviously is one of the smartest quarterbacks in the National Football League. You got to be very smart to play quarterback. That goes for anybody. But, you know, get him moving in the pocket. You know, let's see if we can get a little play action. Let's see if we can get some zone reads. Let's see if we can get some RPOs, some quick stuff. I'll tell you this. Get some depth in his drop. Move in the pocket as well. That's also going to open up some plays down the field. And it's going to open up more opportunities for Joe Burrow to not have batted balls at the line of scrimmage. Get a deeper drop. Receivers have longer developing routes. Obviously, if we're able to hold off those guys up front, that would help. You know, if we can't hold off the guys up front, moving the pocket's not an option because Joe's going to end up getting killed if that's the case. But if we can hold up our blocks up front, move the pocket a bit, see what the defense is running. And then Joe gets a deeper drop and he's able to make better throws. You know, Cleveland has a, has a really good secondary. We don't know what Denzel Ward's status is going to be on Sunday. He's been in the concussion protocol quite a few times. Hopefully he gets his thing figured out for his long-term and you know, health and everything. Don't wish any ill will on him whatsoever. Um, but they have some good corners and, you know, and Greg Newsome, Martin Emerson Jr. Uh, on the back and they have Grant Delpit. They got the newly acquired Juan Thornhill from KC. They have some really good corners on this roster, and, you know, it's going to be a tough matchup. But, you know, potentially moving the pocket and getting Joe Burrow some easier passing lanes to go on ahead and, you know, try to dime up this defense, you know, it, it obviously makes makes it a lot better of a chance, you know, for Cincinnati to, you know, to get the offense flowing and, and becoming efficient. We'll say this one, the next one. On offense, Joe Mixon. I need a huge game from Joe Mixon. This is going to help out Joe Burrow a lot. And this is going to help out Joe Mixon's self-image with Cincinnati Bengals fans and people in the entire league. Cleveland has made a priority to stop the run because last year they were atrocious against it. They go out and get two guys to plug in the middle and they're basically like, hey, we're not going to give this thing up. We're going to be an all-world defense. How impressive would it be for with all the new free agent acquisitions the Browns have in the interior offense, defensive line, excuse me, would it be for Joe Mixon to go out there and run for 100 yards and to average four or five yards a carry to get 18, 19 runs? I want efficiency. I want each time we run the football, 
we're ahead of the sticks. It's first and 10, and we get four or five, and it's second and five, second and six. Makes it easy for the offense. We can throw it on second and six. We can run it on second and six. There's a lot of things you can do when you're ahead of the sticks and you're able to run the football. You know, the guys up front, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, Cordero Volson, guys are going to be pulling. Guys are going to be double down blocks. They're going to be, you know, sliding up to the second level to get linebackers. Orlando Brown as a lead blocker on a pitch or a sweep or, you know, a stretch run, going to be really big. Jonah Williams on the right side, new side, strong side, up in front. It's going to be interesting to see, and it's going to be really big if he can do a good job of that. But it starts with Joe Mixon. If those guys are able to work up front and Joe Mixon is able to see that hole or Joe Mixon is able to, you know, just have a great burst of speed out of the backfield and just say, hey, I'm getting through there and I'm getting to the second level. I'm getting to the third level, you know, then that would be fantastic. Mixon's going into a seventh year of the National Football League, coming off of the pay cut that he took just two months ago. This would be huge for him to go out there and have a, a great game against the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, if he runs for 100 yards and averages about four or five yards a carry, I'm pretty confident that we're going to win this football game. I mean, it like last year when we played them in week 14, Joe Mixon had 14 carries for 96 yards. He averaged right around seven yards a carry off of his injury that, you know, he missed two games with. Mixon is a big key. Whoever's in the backfield is going to be a big key when it comes to running in between the tackles, when it comes to bouncing it outside. We need that burst from Joe Mixon, fresh legs, week one. I need to see it. I got to see it from Mixon. That would be huge for the Cincinnati Bengals you know, on Sunday and going forward to add another dimension, you know, and, and to become better at the run. And Ted Karras was saying this in, you know, an interview with, with James Rapine from Cincinnati Bengals talk. He was saying that, you know, one thing they wanted to improve on was running the football this season and getting over a hundred yards a game. And what better to start with against your division rival up North in Cleveland for Joe Mixon to get things going on the offensive line to get confidence. The big key, I already mentioned this earlier, but, um, Win the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, it goes without saying, but I had another one. Okay. Went in depth on that earlier. So I'm going to go in depth on this one. So, you know, we got to stop the run. We have to. Um, last year, uh, like I said earlier in the show, the Bengals outgained Cleveland, I think, by, uh, by 65 yards, 136 yards last year to 71 yards in, in our victory week 14. A uh, big reason why that happened, Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, uh, those guys were flying around the field last year against Nick Chubb. Uh, Logan Wilson, I believe, had like 15 tackles. He was an absolute beast. Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt both have contract extensions now. They both got signed. They're both The duo is going to be in Cincinnati together for three years, plus we'll see what happens. But really excited to see what Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt have freshly off their new deals um, when Nick Chubb is halted, the Browns functioning is done. Deshaun Watson has had a full off season and Deshaun Watson, I would expect to be better, but in the past, 
And even when Deshaun Watson played, when Nick Chubb was limited and taken out of the game plan, when he was just clamped up, the Brown scheme fell apart. It did. Here's what I'm saying. Put the pressure on Deshaun Watson. Put it on him. Stop the run. And guess what that does? It flips the script. Because what Cleveland does to us when it comes to just, you know, the Bengals are a pass-first team. So we're going to pass the football. And they go on ahead, and they rush the passer and get to us, and then we try to run the football, and we can't do anything. Or we try to run the football to start, can't do anything, and then the pressure's on us to pass the football. We're good at passing the football, but they just get home better. Put the pressure on them. Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, Akeem Davis-Gaither, whoever is out there at linebacker. You put Mike Hilton in, you know, coming off the edge in the slot. Stop the freaking run. You stop it, you put pressure on Deshaun Watson to make plays with his arm. You have Trey Hendrickson, you have Sam Hubbard, also DJ Reader in the run game. I cannot forget about him. DJ Reader, um, when he's healthy, in which he was healthy most of last year, obviously he missed about four or five games, uh, you know, in the middle portion, at the start of the season. But when DJ Reader's out there, you do not want to run a DJ Reader. DJ Reader will, you know, he, he he will plug the entire game plan. If you're trying to run the football, he will plug the entire game plan. He will destroy it. You stop that run, and you go on ahead and put that pressure on Deshaun Watson, first game out, his mulligan's up. This is the real chance for him. You can talk all about the money stuff. You know, it took a you know big cut and everything. The cap hits next year, $60 million. It's a different story for a different time. But for Cincinnati to go out there and to just give Deshaun Watson hell when it comes to stopping the run and taking away his entire facet of, you know, the Cleveland Browns and Trey Hendrickson's coming after him. Sam Hubbard is too. DJ Reader, BJ Hill, Cam Sample, Joseph Osai, if he sometimes plays and he's day-to-day. So we'll see. Miles Murphy, maybe. I don't know. But I'll say this. Cincinnati can flip the script of what Cleveland's been doing to us. Because if we take away one of the things that they are really, really good at, and we make them rely on the other thing, it's up to us at that point. It's up to us to go after them and and just end it. It is. I'll make a score prediction later on this week. Um, you know, keep an eye on the page. We got a lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, we're doing week two picks for college football tomorrow on Wednesday night, eight twenty Eastern. We're live uh, Thursday. Uh, there's not really a whole lot going on. I'll get some picks out um, to you guys by Friday for week one uh, NFL. So, you know, other than that, just make sure you guys like this video. If you're listening uh, through any of the uh, podcast sites, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast at, make sure to, to favorite this one. Make sure to start. Make sure to do whatever it is. Make sure to give it a play. Share it. I don't know. Just uh, get the word out about this one. 
And, uh, you know, we'll get some more exciting things coming with some special guests uh, throughout the season. And I'm really excited uh, to watch the Bengals play this weekend. And hopefully we can get a good dub uh, to start the season off and go 1-0. Who day?